0: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Today's Baseball America podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app
1: and enter promo code BA20 today. Now it's time to talk baseball.
0: Hey we're here on another Baseball America Prospects podcast. It's J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy and we're kind of going on a I want to call it a tangent today. This is kind of what we do. But we, we wanted to focus the start of this podcast today. So today Rob Manford came out and said, the commissioner said, as we've been writing here at Baseball America, we had a big expansion feature a year and a half, a year, a little over a year ago, I think it was, where we said, hey, you realize expansion needs to be coming. Rob Manford came out today and said, expansion needs to be coming. We, we realize that it's probably time to expand. We wanted to unpack that a little bit, and I feel pretty confident in saying we're probably going to explain a problem with this that even if you've given expansion thought, you probably have not thought about yet. So before we do that, I I would throw it out there. We want to kind of show where we're coming from this. Matt, I am very pro-expansion at this point. I feel like that that talent-wise, it would be very good to get to 32 teams, I think that if you get to 32 teams, which would even out the town a little bit, I think we have a, almost a surplus of talent. The success, Improved success of the Rule 5 draft lately, which <laughs> I do love There's an example of this. The number of Cubans who've come over, which is a new talent source. Right. Much like we saw, baseball was overstuffed pretty much in the 50s because you hadn't had expansion. And all of a sudden, you had vastly improved the talent pool because baseball became integrated. I'm, that's where I'm coming from. Where is your viewpoint, kind of on expansion, yay or nay?
1: Well, we need to create another class of team. You have all these teams in the National League, uh, essentially playing for the number one pick in the draft, but they're they're going to want to welcome in two new contenders for the number <laughs> one overall pick. I don't think so. You're, you're le-
0: you're, so you, but what I wanted to throw out there is, no. I think you're a little
1: less. Yeah, I'm with- less enthusiastic about it. Um, you know, partially because if you if you create two new fr- two new major league franchises, you create all these new players under minor league control. So it it, it narrows the avenue for... Um, it creates less freedom for minor league players. More players under minor league contract for seven seasons.
0: Well, my, I, I, maybe this is almost... But it creates 50 extra major league jobs. Which is why the union usually is, is pro-expansion, understandably. Um, but the other thing with that, I mean, I think right now the union, that's uh, a giant selling point, is... is Hey, veterans, Alexis Rios, Alex Rios, who's sitting out there waiting for a job. You know, guys like you, you may have a job still, potentially. Um, things like that. But the big thing, the big selling point to me beyond the fact that I think talent-wise we're ready for this in, in Major League Baseball, the other selling point to me is, is that 32 teams, I, getting back to 16, getting to 16 teams in each league where I'm fine with interleague play, it doesn't bother me. But I think it is dumb that we have interleague play every day. And if you're going to have interleague play and you want it to mean something, well, this is not the format that you want it to be. You you want it to be something where interleague play, if you're going to have it, is, hey, we're now to interleague time. But we, well, they tried that for you know, 12 to 15 years. And I think it was a little bit more special. Well, there, there are regions of the country where it's
1: yeah. exciting, but I would say for most for half the teams, it doesn't mean anything. Right.
0: I I, I personally would prefer that you would go a way back away from interleague at that point, interleague play. You have 16 teams. It becomes much more doable to have either a balanced schedule or to have, even if it's not a balanced schedule, a much more, a more balanced schedule where you said, okay, every team in the, you know, because really if you go to 32 teams, what you're probably going to go to is 14, you know, would you go to 14? There's a lot of, to uh, unpack with that, do you go to fourteen divisions at that point? I hope because not. <laughs> the the bat and that is maybe the downside of it is is that there's not really a logical breakdown. You're you're talking about sixteen teams in the league. Okay, you can either do two divisions of eight, mm-hmm. or you can you know do.
1: I would vote for that. For my vote, that means nothing because I think it makes the uh, you know it, it decreases the odds of a bad team qualifying, which is the number one goal. <laughs> But it also gets us back more toward a balanced schedule, assuming we, we continue I, continue to stay in division focus.
0: I, I'm I'm for a more balanced schedule. I do think I mean the reality is is that whatever we're talking about with expansion, we are talking about that what's going to end up happening. So they're not cutting back the number of playoff teams. We know that at this point. Right.
1: And so I, and I think and I'm fine with it. I like the postseason. I, I like
0: the. I, I do think though, if you had an 18 divisions and those division winners got bys, and everyone else basically had to battle it out to get to that, well, that's that's not bad to me from the standpoint of is that that really does mean something. You win an 18 division, you were pretty good. We mm-hmm. can say that yes. right then. Um, but, yeah. you know, and, and so, again, on the Major League side, these are all things I do think very well can be worked through. The big one, let's jump into it, which is,
1: well, can I ask you, why 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 you are you opposed to 16-14 the way it used to be? Why is that such a...
0: Because I, I don't think they're going to go back to that. I mean, I, I do think that really they've gone away from that. They've gone away from 16-14. I do think there is something a little odd about that you have a better shot in one league to make it to the World Series than you do in the other. That's a little... That was misshapen a little bit as well. I mean, the reality is, is that we understandably they expanded by two teams, but... When you had 28, it wasn't a problem. If you're at 32, it's not a problem. 30's not a great number uh, of teams from that standpoint.
1: In a league where, yeah, the, the, the leagues don't cross, don't play each other all the time, right? traditionally.
0: Right, this is not something, and the reality is is that with even with improved travel, there's really never gonna be such a thing logically as a balanced schedule if you have interleague. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, you can't play everyone. and Understandably you want LA to play San Francisco much more than LA plays, you know, and that group. would be
1: the advantage of the four team divisions. Right. You if would all have, have, have logical focused, geographic I like guess yeah. just three
0: other teams, yeah. You know. But that I mean again, the, the big question I think on the expansion side at the major league level is okay, where are they gonna go? <laughs> and that's there are those answers are not as easy right now as they were I'd say the last several times that we've expanded. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that we have reached a point. For one, the investment in the stadium is so significant. I, everyone likes to talk about Montreal, Montreal, and Montreal makes of all these teams. Jonah Carey, you know, is kind of I think the leads the waves, the flag of you know let's put a team back in Montreal. The problem is, is in Montreal is, is are the are you going to get a stadium built in Montreal? Because if you're going to Montreal just to go back into Olympic Stadium, right. You don't go to Montreal.
1: Furthermore, it would have to almost be a retractable roof stadium as well.
0: Yes. Or some sort of
1: climate controlled environment. You are talking
0: about a very expensive stadium which, last I checked, Montreal has never, has not shown any signs of wanting to do. Which again, I'm not faulting the citizens of Montreal for not wanting to spend literally hundreds of millions of dollars on a new stadium for a baseball team. That's fine. They don't need that for other, I mean, again, nowadays we are also talking about essentially a single purpose stadium. We are not in the days Mm -hmm. when they built Olympic stadium, was like, hey, we're gonna have baseball, we'll have hopefully football, and we'll have the Olympics here. This is something where you are building a, you know, six, seven, $800 million Canadian dollars or whatever you want to call it stadium that is to play 70, you know, is to play 81 games a year. Mm -hmm. So, that's a big a big if, but Montreal again is the most logical. I think in many ways, from the standpoint of you have this city that's been a big league city before. Population, revenue-wise, and all that, it makes sense. But We're,
1: ironically, has no minor league team now, or any other major league franchise except for the hockey team. Doesn't even have
0: indie ball. <laughs> Does have Canadian football. Okay. The L.O.S. Okay. Okay. But uh, but it it doesn't have. I mean, I, I, when I say that they haven't had a state, you know. The Can-Am League would love Montreal would be a great fit for the Can-Am League, and the Can-Am League, which let's just say the Can-Am League stadium situation, you don't need the same level of stadium to, to go into the Can-Am League as you do to go into the, into the National League. Well, they've had you know real trouble with that. So I, I do think that that's a less of an easy problem, you know, easy solution than people throw it out there. But where else?
1: Well, we can I'll get to that in a second. But another argument against expansion. Two of the past expansion teams are arguably duds. Miami and St. Petersburg are not well attended. No, no. You know, despite intermittent success from both franchises,
0: intermittent success from both
1: franchises and three pennants and two World Series championships.
0: And and the reality of it is, is that in a stadium in Miami that was a very expensive, you know, I, there's no there's no way in Miami you can say that there's any part of this now that they they have the stadium. They've had, I know they've torn it down but they've had success. They've, I just, I do worry that baseball in Florida is just not a, uh, a very right. successful combo.
1: So for me, it's almost like fix the, fix the house now and then worry about expanding. And, and
0: that is, I think, a very good argument. that o- Oakland
1: also has its, its, has its own a, issues, o- which was, could be solved by moving to San Jose probably.
0: Right, which clearly cannot happen because if it was, it would have happened by now. Right. We have literally are our second commissioner trying to do this. I mean, we've been talking about Oakland going to San Jose. I feel like for longer than you know, many stars of the game's careers are now. I mean, Bryce Harper was in high school, and we were talking about you know, Oakland to San Jose. Raw sewage running through the clubhouses has not been enough to get this moving in any in any direction in that way. So I don't think I, there's a concern that that's not going to happen.
1: Okay, so we can talk about some of the potential uh, domestic. Uh, Expansion locations What I did is I looked up other cities That have two major league franchises One of them an NFL team And here's the list, are you ready? There's five of them Okay. Buffalo, Charlotte Indianapolis Nashville and New Orleans
0: And it just strikes me That none of those strike me as slam dunk Well clearly there should be A big league ballpark There
1: Nashville and Charlotte, to me, hold a little bit of attraction, being, you know, in the southeast. I think the southeast is probably a little underrepresented, underrepresented given its population. Um, Nashville or Charlotte? Why would you rule those out?
0: Well, Nashville, I do think you could make an, a, a fair argument that you, it, for 81 games, I don't know if you draw well enough. I, I do think that that's that's a. I lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, about. 50 miles north of Nashville for a little while, so I have at least some idea of this. You talk about that's been a, a hockey team that it feels like, okay, this market's maybe a little small for it. Baseball's obviously a little different than hockey, but it's a college sports town. It's, even though it's Vanderbilt there, the reality is, is that if you get to September and you're even in the pennant race, that's going to be less important than what's happening over in Knoxville if UT football is doing anything. I just don't know. I think Charlotte, of those two, is a better fit. But I think with with Charlotte, the problem is, is that Charlotte just built a brand new ballpark that is a beautiful ballpark, that is an expensive minor league ballpark, that unfortunately, because of the footprint of where it is, is almost impossible. This is not a Texas Rangers situation where you can bring the team in and essentially grow the minor league park to make it a big league park. Right. That doesn't seem very viable there, does it? They put a fourth deck on there. That'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Just keep building That would up. be the, the great, <clears throat> that truly would be a wonderful architect's you know, Baseball like challenge. Baseball silo. <laughs> yeah. But hey, hey, let's be honest. The uh, you know the White Sox, the New Comiskey, I still call it New Comiskey, I know it's not. But New Comiskey, if you were on the upper deck there, which I've, I don't know about you, but I've done that. It feels like that you are basically watching it from the observation tower of the Sears Tower. I mean, it is like, it is straight up and down, and you feel like if you lean forward, you're going to fall and onto the field.
1: Another issue, Nashville has a new park this year, too. I mean, these, these are cities who have doubled down yes. on AAA baseball. Right. Because so, they're reliable AAA markets who perform well at that level, but might not be ready for the next step.
0: No, I, I think that's a, a, every bit uh, a kind of a, a, a problem with this.
1: Indianapolis? Another successful AAA team. Park isn't as new; it's located downtown.
0: That seems to me to have a little bit more promise, but I haven't, you know, I, it doesn't. dropper
1: Midwest is pretty well represented, too. Yes,
0: this, given its yeah. I, I, again, I don't. I do think that there's a problem unless you kind of go outside the box. It's hard to think of a city that seems like a slam dunk. So let's go outside the box. Then you go outside the block. Okay, so Matt, where would you go outside the box? Uh,
1: Manfred in 2015 mentioned that expansion was not a front burner issue at the time, but he could foresee, he could see the logic in expanding internationally. Uh, We talked about Montreal a little bit. Uh, Some of the other ones commonly kicked around are Mexico City.
0: That's, That's an interesting idea. If you wanted to expand the game, that would be a very interesting idea to me.
1: Yeah, I think what would happen there is the ballpark there would make Coors Field seem very tame, given the elevation there. I think they are 2,000 feet higher in elevation than than Denver, if I'm not mistaken. It's at least 1,000 feet. So you're talking about some very uh, interesting run environments, (laughs) as you can just see by looking at the Mexican League stats.
0: absolutely. But... But it is an interesting one from the standpoint of – I also do think it, from a free agency standpoint, I mean, you know, I, I do wonder, is Mexico City too far, like, from the standpoint of, okay, you, you want a city to be we, – we've had some issues even with with Canada with, you know, for one thing, exchange rates, yeah. you know. But the reality is, is in Canada, you are still talking – you know, Blue Jays, you're talking about an English-speaking uh, yeah. And then, if you go, you know, Quebec, when when Montreal had a team, they, for one, they were too small to really ever attract free agents, but they didn't ever attract free agents. And again, obviously, there's a lot of, uh, uh, of, you know, Spanish speaking players in baseball, so it wouldn't be, there would be less language barrier than maybe you would think, but it would be an issue with, okay, are you going to be able to attract? Significant English-speaking players, or would they say no?
1: Players who would have to move their families there for half right. a year. potentially. for half potentially. a year, yeah. So, uh, how about some of the cities that MLB has played exhibition games in? Mon- Monterey, mm-hmm. San Juan, mm-hmm. or Havana. I mean, sporadically, they've, they've been there twice, I think.
0: I, I think, I do think, I think Havana will get back to, in a, when we get a little further, to, you know, unpacking this expansion. But I do think that that's something that Havana... Doesn't fit for Major League. It's just not, there's not enough disposable income. And that's even uh, not allowing for the fact that right now it's not even an option. But mm-hmm. we're talking a down the road thing. But we're going to get back to this, but we do before we do that, I did want to ask you, have you ever been frustrated to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. SeatGeek is the place I go to look for tickets, especially, let's be honest, We get our baseball tickets. That's not a problem. But if I'm going to go to a concert, if I'm going to go to something that we have the, thankful enough to have the Durham Performing Arts uh, Center, the DPAC, if I'm doing that, I'm going to SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is very handy how they don't just give you the ticket prices, but they also tell you these are good buys, these are okay, and they'll even tell you some like, "Ah, that's a little pricey for probably what you're (laughs) looking for. Um, but SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if price, ticket prices are going to fall. So, and right now, Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app, Android Play Store, uh, you know, on your Apple phone, just go to the, you know, your Apple Store. Go to the Settings tab and click the Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code BA20 and SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20 today. So Matt, you know we just talked about Havana. Probably doesn't. Again, there has to be some legal, some actual U.S. laws that have to change before that even becomes an option. But okay, San Juan, Puerto Rico has is in a a, a big baseball renaissance in some ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at the same time, very much a a problem with this is that Puerto Rico is also in significant financial trouble right now, Um, massively in debt because of uh, tax-free bonds that have been used for a long time. I think that probably rules San Juan out just from the standpoint of unless a new team wants to literally pay for the stadium in San Juan, I don't think there's any option you can do that right now. Is there anywhere else? Tokyo? Uh, I, I, I Tokyo take, and uh, you know, somewhere else? And Sydney? Like, no, they, I was gonna say two Japanese, you know, cities. Oh.
1: <laughs> I don't think MPB would look too
0: favorably on I, that. I think that MPB <laughs> would probably be look very unfavorable. And I would And not, they should. They, and I would
1: not envy the players who had to make that. Right. That, the problem that, is that, that trip during if you the season two, You
0: you would literally if you wanted to do that, you are literally saying then you are talking about you would have to have a fourteen division that they play themselves. Right. 80% of the time
1: yeah, you know, tr- Truly a World Series <laughs>
0: Right Which I do think down the road I would love to see a true World Series From the standpoint of it's Yes, would the U.S. team That wins the U.S. World Series Be absolutely massive favorites? Absolutely However, I would still love to see the games It would and, be fun And it's not 1903 anymore When you say World Series It's not right. a World Series
1: no, definitely not. It's it's an anachronism. Um, okay, so some successful minor league franchises in larger markets. I've I've written down San
0: Jose and Brooklyn on mine. San Jose is the one that I I do think the the answer to this that probably will not happen is is a third team in New York. Right. A third team in New York as one of the teams for this. I don't think there's any question that that could succeed from the standpoint of there's enough population there. There's enough baseball fandom there. Again, is it going to happen? No, because the Yankees and Mets, that's one thing that would actually would unite them together. <laughs> oh, to... Long Island or Newark or something like that. What do you think? No. Same I, thing? I, okay. I, again, and this is the problem is is that we've seen this. If you're the San Francisco Giants, is it good for baseball to have Oakland move to San Jose? Absolutely. Is it good for the San Francisco Giants? No. And But is
1: it bad? That's such an established franchise successful
0: owners in baseball and this is something i do think you can somewhat say is a fair criticism of baseball the nfl i'm i think that generally mlb runs itself better than the nfl does especially recently but in the nfl there is it's become less this way but the nfl became the success it was because owners were willing to do what was best for the league ahead of what was best for themselves the national television contract in football, where every where the Green Bay Packers were going to get every bit as much money as the New York Giants, that was something that was not good. The Cleveland Browns, the New York Giants, teams like that, those owners said, no, we will give up money for the good of the league. I don't feel that that's really ever happened in that kind of way with owners in baseball. Is it going to hurt the Giants significantly? Maybe not. They're not going to take that risk, though. They don't want to find out. They don't want to turn to back their, you know, because San Jose is a, I mean, it's, it's an ideal market. They want that in some way to be tied to them still because it's an ideal market. There's a lot of disposable income there. And I, I do think that this is the problem you're going to have if you do, I, again, expansion has happened in the past because there's a giant pot of money for the owners. Yes. I mean
1: the fees for the 98 expansion were how much do you remember? I, I have to look it up. I it, think it's nine figures.
0: And do remember expansion happened one time because it was like, uh oh we have to figure out how to pay for collusion. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's expand yeah there's a it's a massive amount of money that comes in
1: okay so I'll say I'll say cut the Marlins and raise and go back to 28 and you you want to expand so y- your challenge, is despite all these... these oh, yeah, the lawsuits
0: these, on doing the, that would uh, the, tie you up for the next 80 years. Despite all these geographical
1: issues, you want to expand, so give me two, two cities you would pick.
0: New York. New York and Montreal. Okay. You know, but again, so here's, now here's the part of this, though, that we think you may not I'm, have thought about.
1: The Northeast is already pretty well represented,
0: though. No, I know, but <laughs> okay. the Northeast is also better for baseball that way. I mean, the reality is, is, I know when you say the Southeast is less represented... I will make the argument that the Southeast is less represented for a reason, which is, is that the Southeast, for one, I, it's hot during the summer. and so. But that's not an excuse in Miami or Tampa Bay where you're playing inside an air conditioning. But it's not just the Rays and the Marlins that don't draw well. The Braves are not a team that— I mean, the, the Braves have, for their the life of their franchise, have always fought being the dominant— Team of the South, which I think they are in baseball, without a doubt, but they also know that come September, they take a back seat to football in many ways, and fans are much rather going to go to Athens to go see the Georgia Bulldogs than go to Braves games. So seen, you know,
1: Would the Cardinals be a contrary example?
0: Missouri is not the same as the South when it comes to college. I mean, it's a, those cities are like, you know. again, you could it's a college sports area. And even, you know, even you look at most of the pro sports teams, it's just that's the Northeast does better about supporting its, its major league franchises in that way, I think. I, I think I say this as someone who grew up in Georgia. Um, you know, I'd love to hear if people disagree, feel free. You know, I'm at JJCoop36, you're at Matt Eddie BA. We'd love to hear agree or disagree. But I do think that if you're looking for success, a third team in New York does better than a team in the Southeast, even if there is less representation per capita. I mean, I, I'd love to say that Raleigh-Durham, which is a growing area, would be a great area for a great, you know, for a team. I don't think it really fits, but I think, it's quite I ready. think and I think it causes a problem, which is, is this is what I wanted to go to next. The biggest problem doing expansion, which is something that I don't think baseball would stop doing expansion for this, but I don't think they have an answer for how to do this, which is is Okay, so you expand. You've got two new we found the franchises. We found the cities, we got the stadiums to put in two new Big League clubs. Great. That also means that you now need realistically 7 minor league teams for each of those two organizations. And I'm counting, that's 7, you know, counting down to the DSL. You mm-hmm. some like to do 8, but let's go to 7. Okay, the DSL teams, not a problem. That league goes to 180 teams. At some point, that's just what it 100 is. One hundred will enter, one will win. Yes, it, I mean, look how big the DSL is getting. It's, it's insane, but that's not a problem. The complex leagues, no problem. You need to throw an extra two teams in the GCL or AZL, no problem. That's just a and matter of.
1: If Fort Lauderdale has a facility just
0: right for the taking. Right, you know, and if you have to play in the same, you know, there's multiple fields there. No, again, no issue. Once you get past that, and you say, okay, you have at least five more teams for each new big league club
1: 10 new traveling minor league teams
0: that is a massive problem and i say this because we can't find right now you have two teams in the cali we have a cali team that was had to go to court to get to play in their ballpark because the city doesn't want them to play there with their lease this is
1: high desert high desert
0: yes we have another one that year after year gets waivers because it does not meet professional baseball agreement standards. And
1: it's center field wall is 250 feet from home plate.
0: Pack that, unpack that. I mean, think of that. Over, and this is Bakersfield. This is Bakersfield. And by the way, the Bakersfield infield before has been described as a menace, you know, to infielders everywhere. And I've had, you know, teams say, I don't know how we didn't have someone get hurt there. Yeah. You know, because you never know when it's going to hit a rock and take a bat. Everyone, everyone in minor league baseball knows, ideally those are at least two teams that need to move. Ideally everyone knows, let's take the two teams there, let's move them to the Carolina League and solve the problem. And what's the problem? Even though we have Kinston, Kinston, North Carolina, which has a ballpark that was fielding a minor league Carolina League team not that long ago. So you say, okay, we may have one answer. They still haven't been able to solve that problem. And admittedly, there are some hurdles as far as, no, we want compensation or whatever. But that's been a problem to find two cities. Now you're saying, let's find 10. Is that even doable, Matt?
1: (laughs) I think if we assume that the minor league structure will carry on the way it is now, no, I don't think it's possible. However, it does open the door
0: to restructuring the minor leagues. And let's get to that in a minute. But like, okay, let's explain to people why this is, okay, what you have, Let's just start with, this is the affiliation structure. This is not something where the team, the person, the owner who buys the new Montreal Expos or whatever, then just says, okay, well, I own these five new franchises in the minor leagues as well, and I'm going to build stadiums there and everything's solved. No, this is is that at the minor league level, they have to go through the same process. Do remember that you have to pair these up you can't say, hey, the great thing is, is we found one new city for the International League. We found one new city for the Pacific Coast League. Or, you know what? We've got one city we can stick out in the Cal League to go with them, and we've got one city to go in the Carolina League. That doesn't do what you need. You need, as you just touched on, we're going to get to the point of restructuring because I do think if you expand, you don't even have a choice. And we've seen this in the past. Mm-hmm. What happened with AAA, in essence, was, as all this happened, we ended up with two AAA leagues instead of three because it became logical to restructure internationally. We lost the American Association in the process. But we, we do also have to think of the cost, the, the significant amount of money that you're talking about here, because in addition to the franchise fees, in addition to all that, the, the, the price of entry for a full season minor league ballpark now generally sits in the 25 to $50 million range. As we just said, now short season parks can be a little bit cheaper than that. But what we're talking about is, is conservatively you are talking that either you are taking over existing stadiums, which there aren't that many of those that would fit the needs that you're looking for. Or if you had to go all new stadiums, you are talking $250 million in new minor league stadiums. That's a tough, very tough way to go does it just again so this leads on setting up because you want you know okay let's say you you had to reorganize things that's not easy either is it it's really not
1: because i think having the four full season classifications makes sense i think you could get creative with the short season leagues Now i don't know what your thoughts are on that i think complex leagues make a lot of sense the arizona league the gulf coast league I think there's some wiggle room with the others. However, how attractive are Appy League and Pioneer League franchises to the existing full the season York, even leagues? the New York
0: Penn League. I mean, these are yeah. cities, they are short season. I think season. the Penn
1: League could fold into the Eastern League pretty well.
0: But the problem is is that these are cities, a lot of times, and I know that they're somewhat located, but there's a selling point to having short season baseball. There's a reason a lot of times that these parks end up being short season parks. One is weather, mm-hmm. in some cases. it. If you're playing in the Northwest League or the Pioneer League and you're starting on April uh, April 7th, that's not as ideal as starting at the end of June. But the other is, is that it's an easier sell. If you're saying we're selling essentially 35 games for the year, yeah. you can draw better for those 35, you're not going to double your attendance by changing that to having 70 home dates.
1: <laughs> we should have the... Uh the league's draft the uh, the short season leagues if we disbanded the short season leagues the pacific coast league and california league can draft the top sites they would want
0: but that's the thing is is that you'd have to you'd really have to do it it would be a draft all the way up so what it would be i mean again if you're reorganizing this you would have two double a you probably would have two double a teams get bumped to triple a mm-hmm. and then you would have 2a ball clubs get bumped to double a and then you would have When you get to low A high, it's less likely, but conceivably you could have two low A clubs bumped to high A, and then you could have two short season clubs. Hey, Greenville Astro, you know Greenville that you know Happy League, which is in a great ballpark. Congratulations, you're a salary club now. You'd have those kind of things happen, but it would be incredibly complex. That's not to say it can't be done, possibly, but. It is something where if you said right now, hey, baseball's announced that they're going to expand in 2022, it would take some time to get there. you want, If you right now, baseball said, we're going to expand in 2018, it would be a massive rush to try to get that done. I don't think it'd be, again, how way stadiums are now it wouldn't probably be doable.
1: How old would Savannah's Grayson Stadium be in 2022 if they wanted to do, I mean, bring that is, one back online? Savannah, this is, New Britain, Huntsville, all
0: minor league cities. Colorado Springs is going to become available, and that would become, I think, a key part of this. Yeah. Um, Portland is amazingly lacking in what, I mean, that's, but again, Portland, you're not getting a stadium built for you. And generally, generally, owners are not really that receptive to saying, hey, sure, we'll build a ballpark. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. And remember, remember
1: when Canada had all the minor league teams? Edmonton and Calgary right. and Ottawa?
0: And now those cities, in a lot of cases, have struggled to keep on, hold on to indie ball teams. And, but the other part of this, I think part of what happened in Canada is, is Canada, a lot of Canadian cities were like, no, we are not building you a new ballpark. We have a ballpark. You're welcome to use it. But if you want a new one, bye-bye, we will, uh, we will wish you well. And in reality, again, you, to have a full season club in Canada, it needs to, it's not a good fit for April. It's just not. No. So, <laughs> There's a lot of hurdles with this. I mean, it's really what we just wanted to talk about and point this out is is that there are more hurdles to this than initially meet the eye. Yes, are there trouble, are there problems of finding where you're going to put the big league cities? Sure. But unless, and you just said it, I mean, unless you basically said if you wanted to, and we've heard, there has been push at times to call it rationalize the minors or whatever it is. If you wanted to truncate the minors, you could do it. But it's still, it's, there's no easy answer there. If you said, we're going to lop off the non-complex rookie leagues even. Okay, well, that gives you, in essence, enough. That right there is enough cities to, if you patch everything through, you could make this work. But does it? I mean, if you said... I love going to Burlington, but if you told me right now that the Burlington right. Royals were a full A club, you what, know.
1: with the exception with a few exceptions, these facilities would not handle even a low A team. I don't think. No,
0: you would have to accept basically going back uh, two steps as far as where ballparks are for these teams. The other thing we haven't talked about is is the other option is is that you lessen some of these territorial rules and you poach indie ball cities. I mean that's your hmm. that is your more viable option. Are there. any of those attractive, do you think? Oh yeah. But again, Long Island is incredibly attractive and I think again, that's what I'm saying, it would be great as a minor a major league team even potentially. Yeah. But you can't get in there unless the Yankees and Mets both approve it. And so that's what makes it What are it some fun. other ones like Sugarland? Sugarland, which is a, a Houston suburb, would be a a, a fine addition. Um, Saint Paul has a beautiful ballpark, you know, and does really well. And I know that's right in the footprint of of the Twins, but again, if you talk, they,
1: wouldn't they rather have that their AAA team than Rochester?
0: <laughs> probably so. Now, again, the question is, is that you know you these indie, you have teams that where you have these indie ball clubs that they they own <laughs> that they are the team. They've been there. You know, there's more complications in that way as well. I mean, the St. Saint Paul Saints aren't necessarily just going to go, hey, great, we want to get out of indie ball. That's kind of what they do. But those are some of the better, more viable options in, in many cases. Um, you know, you do have those. I mean, those are, those are a couple of teams that come to mind right away that you say, hey, you know, that would be uh, really good. Um, you know, there, you could find some others, especially if you're talking about A-ball double A. There's some really nice ballparks in Southern Illinois is another one. It's a beautiful ballpark. Could that fit in the Midwest League? Absolutely. But again, a lot of these teams ended up there in Indie Ball because they weren't going to qualify ever territorially. because of territorial rules, they were never going to get affiliated clubs. You'd have to change that to allow these teams in. You know, there's been a number of uh, Indie ball teams in the Chicago area. There's a number of minor league teams too. But some of those maybe, maybe you could find one or two of those that fit. But again, it means changing a lot of rules. This is all things that a lot of very creative people sitting down, especially with a lot of money, could figure some of these things out. But the thing we just want to really point out on this is, is that there is more involved in it than maybe it initially comes to mind. But before we do wrap up, we do want to talk a little bit about prospects and all that. And Matt, I, I did enjoy your piece that you had uh, the list from this week, which is you looked at 12 pitchers who help themselves in the minors because they they do a good job of, of holding runners as well. What did you kind of find as, as you kind of did that? Anything surprise you?
1: Uh, I think it pays to be athletic. You look at a lot of these guys, they have multi-sport backgrounds. This isn't in the piece anywhere. Uh, Amir Garrett, famously, Amir Garrett, famously a college a bit, basketball mm-hmm. player. Um, Cole Stewart's on there. I don't think he's on the top 12, but he's in the top 20. He's a former football player. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyrell Jenkins has a football background. I think that, that pays. Um, left-handers, obviously, t- tend to have an advantage. Never hurts. <laughs> Obvious reasons. I think those are the two big things. Like, was there anything with you?
0: I, I the, the thing that struck me, it's the same idea. Like, when I was watching, I'll take it the other way. I think Tyler Glassman is going to be a very good big league pitcher. But what struck me watching him and his difficulties with throwing over and holding runners when I saw him last year uh, was – there are guys who this is that part of the game, you athleticism is a wonderful thing to have as a pitcher, but you can be a very good pitcher and be a little stiffer. Yes. You can do that. Especially if you are adept at repetition, you know, you work through it where you just basically pro you can throw a baseball very well. But you aren't particularly agile, things like that. Yeah, just just know that
1: the most stolen base attempts in the National League last year were against Jake Arrieta, Garrett Cole, and Tyson Ross. So mm-hmm. so it does not correlate with, um, with overall pitching quality. Right.
0: That's the thing is, is that, and famously also. Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox <laughs> did not care. Did not care. If you got on first and you stole to third, he just kind of shrugged his shoulder. I mean, it just really wasn't part of the game. John Lester nowadays. Yep. I think the Cubs really want John Lester to not care. John, yes, he's on first. Don't even look at him. Just keep doing what you're doing. Bad things happen when you start worrying about trying to throw over there. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is a minor part of the game. However, it is a part of the game that in the course of a 162-game season, it doesn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. In the course of a short series in the playoffs, it may matter a lot more. And that's the thing. Again, maybe this is too much of an overreaction I'm having to the fact that the Royals have been very successful the last two years. But you do have teams now that can take advantage of a pitcher who can't hold runners, or and, a catcher who, or, or a catcher who can't throw. throw. Yeah. As we saw, really, I mean, the reality is, is that the Royals made the World Series two years ago, started with the fact that basically in their wild card game they got to face a catcher who had trouble throwing guys. At. And
1: I think Travis Darno last year did not. Throw out a base stealer in the
0: entire postseason, right? And that was a very good fit for the Royals in the World Series last year as well. It's something where, again, it's a minor part of the game, but when Th- you are those talk-
1: minor things matter for guys who aren't Garrett Cole, do right. Garrett Cole stuff, you know? right?
0: I mean, again, when you talk about, I mean, let's talk, you know, if you talk about WPA, you know, when you know probably and all that, you are looking at something where, yes, it may be that that at, that made you five percent more likely to win the, you know give you a five percent you know bumped your chance by five percent well that's significant and sometimes that is a difference because the reality is is that each one of these games in the playoffs i mean the difference between winning those and losing if you if you have one of those games where you swung it because you can run the bases and they can't stop you well again the uh, one game swing in a playoff series is massive when you're talking about a seven game series where Mm -hmm. you know truly luck plays a part yeah, it's not something where you're averaging out like well the better team just won this no if you can win a game win whatever way it makes a massive difference
1: and plus I thought it was just fascinating to look at areas where maybe some prospects can improve because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's
0: what the minor leagues are for and I do think also there are teams that have philosophies of emphasizing it earlier and there are other teams yep. who are like we don't care the Pirates the Pirates have don't care long,
1: I mean, they want long powerful deliveries Jameson Tyone, Glasnow can't hold runners. Garrett Cole, not very good at it. And you can go back.
0: This is. I mean, I did a piece on this, a similar piece. I think like four years ago, and the Pirates were bad at it back then. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember that was when Garrett Cole was in the minors. I think it was in like High A, and it was that year. It was like, pretty much, if guys didn't had trouble reaching first base against Garrett Cole, but if they did, it was a open sign. Hey, take second on. Them, you know, and so our teams that just don't they're and there's a logic to that. I mean, I'm not even saying that's a, the wrong idea from the standpoint of if you have a pitcher who, let's say he has control issues or he hasn't developed his curveball, do you want to be focused on, hey, we're going to shorten up your stride to make you 1-2 to home instead of 1-4? Right. Or do you want to first say, We've taught, we're going to first teach you how to throw a fastball. We want to make sure you got to your, your fastball where you can locate it. And once we do that, then we can worry about that later. You want to do, to me, logically, you don't want to mess too much until they can do step one. The Pirates look at it as, this is step five. Let's get through steps one through four first. But that was interesting to me. Um, My my fun thing of the week was I got to go see uh, Salem, the uh, best, probably the most prospect-laden, not probably, we picked them as the most (laughs) prospect-laden team in the lineup. Number one. Of course, I happen to have the misfortune of going there in a day that Yohan Mancata and Andrew Benintendi, neither of them played.
1: Day games are the worst.
0: Yeah, that was a bummer. But still, I mean, the funny thing is is that it's a great game when you have two top 100 prospects not in the game and you still have two top 100 prospects <laughs> in the game. That's not bad.
1: Didn't anyone make an impression on you in that game?
0: Um, Dansby Swanson didn't have a great game, but Dansby Swanson just strikes me, and this has been true before every time. It He is... He is a very mature player for his age. Him and Ozzie Albies are going to be the guys who, you know, they're obviously you have to perform. But the other part of it is is that they're going to be those guys, the professional, steady guy who you don't have to worry about falling into a tailspin because he's having a slump. You don't have to worry about that they're the guys who you have to control the clubhouse. Again... Are those things quantifiable? Yeah, but I I'll tell you this: Dansby Swanson's makeup-wise reminds me of Chris Bryant, and mm-hmm. I think that that's really one of Chris Bryant's best attributes. He's a great player, but having that kind of makeup doesn't hurt either.
1: I think it's a separator, yeah, because when you get into pro ball, there's really not a lot separating the players in terms of overall talent. You know, the top end guys. I think makeup can be. It's it's a, a nice bone.
0: I mean, again, and we don't. I mean, it's, it's, we've had some interesting discussions all around baseball lately with the Royals. Okay, is that the Royals seem like a high, you know, a a, a a team that's a very close team and all that. Does that actually mean anything as far as wins and losses? Well, we don't know. We can't know for sure, but it hasn't hurt the last couple of years. Um, you know, at the same time, I can make arguments that those A's teams of the early 70s were really good and they hated each other. So <laughs> it's not like you have to all be... I think those ace teams had some guys who you would argue, you know, some you can make the. I've heard scouts make the argument the other way, which is, is you don't want guys who are too nice. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they they want they want some guys with a little edge to them. But
1: well, I think Giordano Ventura. Uh, he's got. Some, he's. I mean, they're nice to each other, but I think they. Right,
0: but they have edge to others. Yeah, there's some <laughs> truth to that. You could argue that. You definitely could argue that with Yordano. Uh, Giordano's a player. I mean, again, I think it's like I've always said. To me, makeup. The best way to define makeup is is that makeup is is kind of everything around it. It doesn't matter if the other team likes you. I don't, you know, Bryce Harper, I don't think it really matters to Bryce Harper that it seems like the Braves, and I know Braves fans hate him, but it seems like a lot of (laughs) Braves don't like him either. That doesn't mean anything. It really comes down to, is Bryce Harper doing anything detrimental in his clubhouse? Let's ask Applebaum.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think Papelbon, yeah. <laughs> Papelbon again is a makeup guy. Where you say, okay, has that been detrimental to teams that he's on? Um, but anything you know, before we wrap up, also anything on the major league side that's that surprised you so much in the first couple of weeks?
1: You know, you have the outlier stuff like the Braves and Twins starting like what 0 and nine, 0 right? And 8. That, Although that's then, always surprising to see. And that. then
0: they, you know, and then they start returning back to. A I think bit.
1: it's the same thing. Yeah, they're not. They're obviously not this bad. They're not good. The Cubs are obviously not this good. They are good. but They're very good. They're good. And then, yeah. What, how about you? Um, Astros pitching might be in trouble. The Astros
0: pitching is one thing that, but I do think that that's a team that if they need to go fix it, they will be able to fix yeah, it. Yes, great minor league depth. I mean, guys they could trade. They have right now, I mean, not just minor league depth. They have guys who they cannot find at-bats for who are on their big league roster right now. Mm-hmm. Like when Evan Gattis comes back, that's actually a problem for them almost. Like, they're talking about Evan Gass is going to catch some. Why? It's the only way mm-hmm. they can probably, you know, fit him in the lineup. Because you can't say, hey, sorry, Tyler White. You've just absolutely mashed. Oh, We're no. going to sit you now. Colin Moran's oh. off to a good start. Alex Bregman is off to an insane player start. Player of the year right now. Yohan Mankata. My prediction right now is Yohan Mankata. I mean, based on the performance, I think Bregman yeah. is the Bregman player. is right now. I would I would agree with you right if now. If we'd stop
1: the season after two weeks, he would be our minor league but player of the year. my prediction
0: is, is right now... Yoan Mankata is going to be our player of the year. That's I fair. think that Yohan Mankata, for the funny thing is is that Yohan Mankata, if, if he stays healthy, that's the big if always, but if he stays healthy, you're going to see, I think he could have 100 steals this year.
1: What if Salem has 30 day games this year?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he won't be in Salem the whole year, I don't think. But, but he, I mean, he's got 13 steals in 12 games played so far. 100 steals for him. If you look at what he did last August when... Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it was like, I'm going to steal bases. And then it was like, he was stealing more than a base a game. He's yeah. kept that pace up so far. If he, and he gets, right now he's, he's gotten on base in every game he's played in so far. We're recording this on Thursday. I don't know, I haven't checked. I can't imagine it was a night game today because I saw him in a day game yesterday. But as of the time we're recording this, he got on base in every game he played in. He had 13 steals in 12 games. Yohan Mankata could steal 100 bags like at like an eighty percent success rate and that's on top of hitting for average and hitting for some power. Yeah. If if you like 300, 400, 500 hitters, he's pretty good. With a hundred steals, you know, that actually the hundred steals are helping you. Yeah. That's <laughs> and doing it not this is not he's not doing it in high desert.
1: And he's about a hundred pounds heavier than Billy Hamilton. No, I don't
0: know. He he has a little bit more thump. Feet. He has a little bit more thump in the bat than Billy Hamilton, yes. So I yeah, that would be my my striking it struck me was as not watching him play was, you know, I do think he's probably gonna be our minor league player of the year. <laughs> and obviously, we have a whole lot of season to go, but the, the, the prediction I feel comfortable with is, is the healthy Yohan Moncada steals 100 bags this year. Wow. that's doesn't happen very often, No, but it has happened. Uh, we had the year, the year of the steal, where Billy Hamilton got his 155 and Delano De Shields right. topped 100.
1: And at that point in time, you would have taken Hamilton.
0: But Shields is the better big leaguer so far. Shields is the better big leaguer. Absolutely. I don't think there's a question of that right now. No. But, you know, so that'll be fascinating to watch. But this has been fun. We got It was fun to kind of dive into expansion because there are a lot of complicating factors with it. (laughs) So we want to say thank you to SeatGeek, as we always do, because they're our sponsor here on the Baseball America podcast. And so for Matt Eddy, I'm J.J. Cooper. Thanks, everybody. This concludes our program. Visit BaseballAmerica.com for more podcasts. Today's Baseball America podcast was sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app
1: and enter promo code BA20.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.